0: Back. Just one of my bad head. All right guys, are you ready for the next wave? If you are ready, say yo <laughs> All right, welcome to SoundCloud Next Wave. Our first keynote panel is on the fan economy and what independent artists need to succeed in music streaming today in the power of fans to help build their success. Are we going to welcome? our guests to the stage. Guys ready? Y'all make some noise for them. Yeah. I am very happy to introduce Ford Music Industry Powerhouse to have the discussion. Please welcome SoundCloud's new president, Elias Seddon. Eliya manages SoundCloud's business strategy and oversees content partnerships and business development as well as the company's distribution and artist service businesses. Former chief of ADA and Warner Music, Eliya oversaw the international expansion, major mergers, and acquisitions. His career has been defined by being a champion and advocate for independent artist success. Mesa some noise for (laughs) Eliah. Next up, we have the lady in the building. We have Miss Lauren. Seawood, make some noise. SoundCloud's chief content and marketing officer is Lauren Seawood, who oversees the company's music partnerships, brand and growth marketing, ad sales, and more. Previously, Lauren served as president of United Masters. Prior to that, she served as head of music partnerships at Instagram, ran digital efforts at Beyonce's company, Parkway Entertainment, Inhale, positions at Def Jam. Make some noise for my girl, Lauren. Next up, we have Russ, Atlanta's very own. Russ is billboard-topping, platinum-selling indie artist. He does it all, rapper, singer, songwriter, producer, engineer, writer, and label owner. Make some noise for us! <laughs> and finally, we have my guy Troy Carter. Troy Carter is the founder and CEO of Q&A, who I'm sure you all have known given his long list of accomplishments. He's been in the forefront of motivation in the music industry and innovation and continues to shape the music of today. Give it up for Troy Carter. All right, if you guys are ready to have a dope time, say, yo. yo! All right, let's get it going.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Portia.
2: Thank you, Portia.
1: Thank you, everybody, for being here. There's even a baby here. I saw a baby in the back. Gotta start him young. Uh, we're psyched that everybody's made some time for this, and uh, hopefully we'll get a good conversation going around uh, about the future of music, which um, we believe... Is independent. You know, Lauren and I came to SoundCloud uh, just a few months ago, and um, we came really for the same reason. And it is about that topic we're going to get into a lot today, which is uh, independence is defining the future, the future of this music business.
2: Yeah. So I think you know what's important to call out here is that, like Elias said, we've had, and as you heard in Forcia's introduction. We've had a ton of experience across the music ecosystem, labels, distribution companies, management startups, tech businesses. we are here because we believe that SoundCloud is a key piece to that independent puzzle going forward. We're really excited to talk about that today
1: So you know just to lay the groundwork uh, before we hear from you know a couple of uh, legends legends in our business in Ross and Troy you know About 15, 20 years ago in music, between the artist and the fan, you had the producer, the A&R, manager, the label, the distributor, the retailer, a whole bunch of other shit, and very specific lines between each. Everybody got paid in their own lane, people stuck to their own lane, they did their thing, everybody was happy about it, it was very stable. Technology has upended all of that. Today, nothing separates the artist from the fan, but there's still a whole bunch of shit that has to get done to optimize an artist's experience and to optimize a fan's experience. We're gonna get into what a lot of that looks like. One of the ways we're defining independence in the way we work at SoundCloud and, and in other places in the business, independence means you own your rights you know, I think Kanye is famous for saying that his kids are going to own his masters, not anybody else. It's about owning your rights. It's about owning your creative journey and controlling that. But it's also about picking your partners and having the options that are your choice. Because going it alone does not add up to success. And independence is often confused with that. So I think we'll flesh out some of those issues as well. So... Uh, Troy, I want to pivot to you. And um, you've managed some of the biggest acts in the world. You have worked at and helped to run some of the most important music and technology companies in the world. And you're now building a disruptive, innovative force in music. So you've seen and done uh, as much as anybody. How have you seen... This landscape change. How have you seen the options for artists change over time?
3: Yeah, I think um, we've we've seen um, the obvious where you know distribution has become much much easier. Um, I think discovery has become much harder, just because distributions become much easier. Um, the, I think fundamentally, though, the thing that hasn't changed is that. You still have to be a great artist. You still have to have great songs. You still have to put on great live shows, present yourself well, and um, and then work really hard to be able to cut through the noise. But you know, the good thing is, um, because the barrier to entries are lower, um, we're seeing way more independent artists now. I think now the key is. How do we build framework where artists can remain independent for as long as they want to remain independent? Um, and then, you know, for for me, you know, as I think about independence, um, it's really about control. Can you control the 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 decision making at the end of the day? If you want to be able to sell your your, your masters, that's is in your control to sell your masters. But you know, that shouldn't be. The first option when you're presented, you know, at the top of your career, essentially. So, you know, so I think it's just about, you know, just working and planning towards, um, you know, we were talking about earlier. Just, you know, can you optimize for optionality at the very beginning of your career?
1: So, uh, Russ, maybe maybe nobody's optimized for optionality better. I mean, you've had immense success as an independent artist how do you view that set of choices? How did you make your, your choices to be independent?
4: Um, I think you guys have touched on it a lot, which is you, the, the priority for me was always to be in control. And maybe because I'm a control freak, but like, when it comes to my career, my music, and my creativity, I didn't think, and I don't think that it should be anyone's decision but my own, and so, I made necessary uh, decisions that allowed me to stay in control of my own creativity and my own career and my own path at the end of the day. And I just think that people need to, artists need to bet on themselves more because everyone around y'all is betting on y'all to make money for them. So you better bet on yourself. They're betting on you, you know?
1: And you wrote a song Fuck it, I'll do it myself. So you're you're, you're living <laughs> yeah. it. You're you're making your your craft around it.
4: But I like what you said earlier about it. it's not, independence is not I do it all myself. You know what I mean? Like even though I have the song that says that, I was more so talking about I'm gonna go out here and get it myself. You know, but uh, it is important to have people around you that believe in you and. Uh, me and my manager were just talking in the car about how there's artists that we fuck with that maybe on the visual side, they haven't found that right person yet to really believe in them, that understands the vision, and so their visual brand is lacking, you know? So you need, you need a team around you who believes in your vision almost as much, if not more, than you do, you know? So it's not, it's not a solo mission. By any means, you know. Um, but it is important that you hold the reins and that artists keep in mind this is your vision, this is your career. And you can't let anyone tell you, nah, this is what you should do creatively, or nah, this is how this should go, or don't worry about it, pay me, pay the manager first, and then I'll pay you. Your m-. Like, there's crazy shit going on out here that is out of control. Like, artists are in the messiest situations. They're signed to this manager and co-managed by this company and then got this part. And I'm just like, what? Like, why do y'all want a messy situation? It should be very streamlined. Like, you and your manager, and if there's a label involved, that's it. But all this, like, eight people in your pocket shit is crazy. And artists should be getting the money first. Managers, and like, they don't get paid till you get paid not the other way around. I don't know if we were talking about that, but that just pisses me off. <laughs> well, you had a
1: few years where you were with a major, Yeah. one of the most prominent majors mm-hmm. ever, Columbia Records. Mm-hmm. How was that experience different for
4: you and what do you learn from it? Um, it, was, it was cool. I feel like I benefited from the major label network, emphasis on network, because I met you know, uh, program directors, people at radio, I met um, Spotify playlist curators and shit like that. So it was cool, but I would be lying to myself if I said, that's the only way to meet those people. That was the way I met them, because I really didn't know anyone in the industry coming into this, so that was the way I met them. But um, the difference is that And I'll give Columbia a lot of credit. They let me do whatever I want, pretty much whenever I want. Um, And it pissed off some people at the label because they had to kind of, like, turn the other way, (laughs) you know, method. Oh, look at that, man. That almost deserves a round of applause. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I was able to, like, always creatively operate with freedom at Columbia, which is... Really important. I don't know. Like, is there any artists in here? Like, what's the? If you who's an up and coming artist in here, a producer, or a creative? Cool, cool. Make some noise for yourself. It'd be this. Uh, it's a real thing. So look, the thing that people I think undervalue with independence is the freedom of it. It's not just owning the masses, right? That's like the the clickbait thing, right? But it's the freedom to, tomorrow, if I wanted to, I could wake up and upload 80 songs and not have to ask anyone for approval, you know? When you're with a label, I couldn't, even me who had the utmost freedom, I couldn't do that though. I couldn't just wake up and fucking, there's a, like a, a process of, okay, well you gotta deliver it through them and And then labels are out here taking 15% for distribution. Do you know how criminal that is? Do you understand what distribution means in today's day and age? It's a button that you press called upload. And then it goes everywhere. They're charging 15% for that, for context. 15% is what some, some artists get if they do a hook for you. And the hook is a hit. Labels are taking 15% for distribution. You didn't even do a verse. It's crazy. It's crazy. So the freedom is super super important. The ability to wake up, do whatever you want, whenever you want. Like I just I dropped 20 songs, 20 weeks in a row this year. And caught a big one on the 20th week. You know, 10 million streams now just on Spotify in a month and it's going crazy on TikTok and all these things and it's like I couldn't have fucking done that with a major label. Major labels want you to put out one song every three months, sit there and work it, and do all this slow shit, even with Best on Earth. Best on Earth was a product of me convincing the label, just a quick little story. I was like, you know what, I'ma I'm a go your traditional label method so I can prove that y'all are wrong. So 2019, before Best on Earth came out, I did that whole like one song every three months, and shoot the video and work it and do all this shit. And I was like, I'm telling y'all that's not going to work. It's slow as fuck. It's not going to work. And they were, I was like, we need to do a song a week. That shit always works for me. No, 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 trust me. You're too big to be putting out music. I'm like, all right, whatever. I said, if this shit doesn't work, which it won't, we're doing my way. And they were like, OK, cool. So I did the song every three months. That shit didn't work, meaning nothing blew up off of that. I said, now we're going to do a song a week. Did a song a week. Best on Earth was the sixth week. And then it went fucking crazy and Rihanna. Granted, I didn't know Rihanna was going to post it. However, you have to show up. You got to show up. And labels prevent you from showing up as consistently as you need to show up. If it was up to a label, you know how long it would have taken for a sixth song to come out? 18 months. One song every 3 months. It would have taken 18 months for me to even get around to dropping Best on Earth. Instead it took 6 weeks. And look at even this song I got out now called Seduce it took 20 weeks. Hey of, hey, of, hey Russ, yeah. How do
3: you how do you finance it in terms of like the consistency of the of the content that comes out like just for people in the audience uh, that are trying to figure it out. Yeah.
4: Well, the finance aspect, I always tell artists, don't spend money on something that isn't reacting. You're wasting your money. There's no need to play the guessing game. We live in a world where you can get instant feedback, instant access to data, instant access to like, this worked, this didn't, like, put everything out and check back in two months or three months, unless something goes organically viral in a week or whatever, but, Invest in what people are telling you to invest in. AKA, if your fans are like, hey, we just gave you 10 million streams in a month on this song and 500,000 on this song, don't spend money on the 500,000 one. Unless you're just prideful and stubborn and you're like, no, I'm telling you this, is, then cool. Then put your money up and, and learn from that. But invest in what's reacting. You don't need to play the guessing game. People pick the hits. I don't pick the hits. I just put the music out. Best on Earth didn't come out any different way than any other song. It was just another song, another week, so.
2: You talk about the importance of freedom in being an independent artist, and I think for a lot of artists here who are probably, would prefer to go the independent route, the question that I'm sure they have is how do you know? How do you know what steps to take? How do you know what to do first, second, or third? How do you know that you're not missing a crucial part of that process?
4: As far as like the...
2: Putting the 20 records out every...
4: You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. That's the the scary part, but also the fun part because you don't know, but you do have the freedom to find out.
2: And you bet on yourself.
4: And you bet on yourself. So I put out 11 mixtapes before I figured out that a song a week was the right way for me, and every, everybody's path is different, you know? That's the thing. Trying to compare your race and your journey to someone else's, it's, your shit may be different. It's gonna be different inevitably, you know? Song a week may not work for some people. I think if you make the same kind of music, you have a very specific sound, a song a week is gonna get played out, you know? But for me, like, I might sing R&B one whole week and then next week come with Best on Earth. So it worked for me.
1: There are also, literally every day, new partners showing up to help you realize that vision. And who are maybe it's not, um, so they're not major labels, yeah. uh, but they're services companies. And they're using technology and people who are more, probably, artist friendly. Uh, to help an independent artist further their journey. Troy, obviously Q&A, Venice is in that world. As you've been building those platforms and innovating ways to help independent artists, how do you decide what's next? How, How do you build the team, build the tools that will be most effective for artists?
3: You know, I think for me, it's just always been curiosity in terms of what the future of music looks like. And, um, you know, when I was a talent manager, it was through the lens of helping the artists that I represented. And so, you know, like when working with Gaga, it was out of desperation because we couldn't get our music played on the radio. So we were using you know, social media that was just kind of arising and um, which sort of led to me discovering different types of technologies. And then you know, a friend of mine told me about you know, this company out of Sweden that was gonna change things. So you know, I went over there and spent time with um, the team at Spotify before they came to America and like, learned all about streaming and became an advocate for streaming. And then um, when I left Spotify, my first trip was to China, to a company called uh, Doying who was releasing. Um, they just bought Musically, and we're going to launch TikTok in the United States. So it was like learning about um, the impact that TikTok would have on um, on 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 artists. So my thing is, can we all? And and the reality is, like I'm a I'm a like looking at where the world's going in terms of collectibles like NFTs now, um, looking at what's happening in the gaming space and the metaverse and, and um, all of these new technologies that are gonna be pushing forward. Um, streaming, anybody that's sort of hyper-focused around streaming right now, you're already too late to the party because first thing i said to my team when I left Spotify and started the new company uh, we had our first staff meet, and then I said, I don't want anybody in here talking to me about playlisting. I said, if you're talking to me about playlisting, you're at the wrong company. Like, what, what, what's next? That's what we got to be looking at, and, that, you know, and that's what we're looking towards. So,
1: I mean, this is the shit right there, because you had a situation where Lady Gaga couldn't get on the radio, and you had her manager going and finding out what streaming was before it was streaming, finding out what TikTok was before it was TikTok, well, right now, there are people who are figuring out what's the next thing we haven't heard of. And as an artist, it's about hooking up with those people and being able to find your fans through those relationships and through those new services. It's, you said, what's next? It's all, it's all about what's next. Lauren, you've always been about what's next. Um, you know, you're uh, from your IDJ uh, upbringing to Parkwood to Insta, uh, to UM, to SoundCloud, like you've always been that half step kind of ahead. How are you seeing this landscape?
2: I think that um, the one the sort of common thread through everything that I've done from Def Jam all the way up to today at SoundCloud has been the fans. How do you find and build audiences in the most compelling way? How do you figure out how to connect to people authentically? Um, That was one of the key lessons that uh, that I learned from Beyonce working with Beyonce where you know her home The whole way that she approached Approached social media was that like she always wanted to own the narrative. I don't need to write captions. It's my picture I own the narrative I'll tell people what I want them to see and if they want to make up some stories behind me. I don't give a fuck It's my narrative she knew how she wanted to be communicated to her fans and that's how they consumed her content and then became part of that fan army. I think what is most important today going forward, especially for new artists, is you have to realize that if you have 100 fans or if you have 100 million fans, they are all important. You cannot, you cannot, Um, you you have to understand that those first 100 fans are the ones who are going to make your career. They're going to ride with you on every song. They're going to tell every friend about every track you put out. They're going to buy every t-shirt that you have. They are your loudest marketing vehicle. And you have to figure out how to tap into those 150 people. If eight people follow you on Instagram, you better be talking to them every single day. That is the most important piece that threads through like, everything that I've done across music and technology. And I'm sure you, you probably have some great case studies, examples of how you think about how you build your love What
4: she just said was so important because I don't think a lot of people understand that we live in such a beautiful time where the access is at an all-time high to your fans. And, and I remember when I was first putting out music and... Those first hundred fans, those first ten fans, I still know them on a first and last name basis. You know, I put them on the guest list to every show. Like me and my friends have like a term, like, "Oh, he's a Nick Everett." Nick Everett is a kid from Tennessee who was like the biggest, was and is the biggest fan, the first fan. He got the logo tattooed on him before I did. Like, crazy, like. Incredible.
3: Everybody need Nick, Nick Everett. Everybody
4: need Nick Everett, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And there's Alex Gibson, there's kids from Tumwater, Washington. Like, I know them all but on a first and last name basis. And I encourage artists, like you said, if you have eight followers, talk to them. Because they spread it to their eight friends and then their eight friends. That's, that's how you get on, man. Like, people don't understand that grassroots, you know, front line sort of mentality. If you got 100 people listening to you, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. You can do a lot of damage within that 100 people because they can tell the 100 people and, and so on and so forth. I think it's, it's so important.
2: I, 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 on that note, talk a little bit about how your fans are part of the creative process.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, because now what's so interesting about social media, and I'm still like from the generation where uh, I guess it was a little bit The approach and the delivery of the content was supposed to be a little mysterious. You know, where like fans are not supposed to be involved every step of the way, but what I kinda learned is that we're here now. This is what this is where we are. Fans are involved. They're on social media, artists are on social media, we're talking, exchanging. Why am I playing the guessing game? I'm not playing the guessing game. What song do y'all want? Fans are never gonna, no one will ever be able to tell me what kind of song I'll make. But as far as what I give y'all, why would I not have y'all provide input on that? Y'all gotta fucking listen to it. (laughs) Like, why should it just be too bad? This is what I'm giving you, get over it. It's like, I'm not that, despite common perception, my ego isn't that nuts, where it's like, too fucking bad. You know, I think it's fun to sort of like, hey, here's five songs I made, which one of y'all going crazy about? Which one of y'all fuck with? And it's always worked for me since I even started doing that.
2: So the, the, the concept of fan armies start small and they grow big. Yeah. Troy, you were a part of the, one of the first fan armies with Lady Gaga's mon- Little Monsters. That's right, Little Monsters, yes. Um, I'm curious to hear how you've seen that fan army concept evolve now that there are so many other sort of places to connect with fans, how it's grown, how it's become even more important, whether there's 100 million little monsters or, again, eight fans that are starting from something small.
3: But, um, but even with that, that started out as you know probably 50, 50 fans. Mm-hmm and um, and being able to communicate with those fans, like even down to the point where artists that I manage, their super fans had my email address and my phone number and like would call me about stuff and like if something leaked, you know, you, they're telling you it leaked. And you know, we also, we represent Prince's estate and Prince's fans are the same exact way where it's like, you know they are die hard and, and have been die hard for 30, 40 years, you know, uh, for, for for Real Prince fans. So I think, you know, these communities sort of build themselves and um, and and as as an artist and their team, you give them fuel so so they can be able to run on their run on their own and not try to control them. And um, so, so and, and, and I think it works as a great partnership. You know, the, the other piece is, you know, just kind of picking up on something that Russ was saying. Um, it kind of reminded me of like with, with the, what Kanye did in Atlanta, right, you know, in terms of um, being able to get feedback on music as it's being made in real time, and being able to make those sort of decisions on how he wants to release music on his own terms and his own timeline. And to your point, um, Lauren, about Beyonce, you know, um, and how she wants to use social, um, you know, the way, like, real, real artists are, are artists with a capital A, and really dance to the beat of their own drum, and have a very specific vision where where they'll take input from other people, but at the end of the day, they're gonna listen to their gut and make that decision based off of their own internal information. And real artists make bold decisions. And a lot of times, and you know, I I have friends at every major record label, and I'm I'm not a person that's anti-label, but a lot of the people who, um, who work within the labels don't have the same feel that an artist has with their audience. So if, if you know your audience is like, people don't stop listening to music every three months, they listen to music every day. So it's like so you being able to come back to them consistently, if the music's good, they're going to keep coming back and keep coming back. And that's how you build and build and build on top of your audience versus, um, you know, this sort of three or four songs a year strategy. Then we're going to drop the EP. Then we're going to drop the album. Art, real artists dance to the, to the beat or their own drum. So just try to find your own internal voice and your own inter, internal rhythm and sort of run with that.
1: I think it's uh, such a good point that very often, people at labels or, or, or other bigger companies, they're just not used to working directly with fans. It's never how their business was structured. Yeah. That's not who they were selling music to. Even today, the labels are getting music to Spotify or to TikTok or to SoundCloud. Um, they're not getting music directly to you, and they're not interacting with you and in a world in which it is the fan economy and it's all about that connective tissue to fans that you just heard all about, um, that's something to keep in mind. I think you know we're, at SoundCloud, we're seeing that very much um, with having introduced fan-powered royalties. So when you pay a subscription, the money you're paying gets divided up across the artists you're actually streaming and that's not how other streaming services work. By doing things that way, and I think over time other players will do that also, the, the information, the data that artists can get about their fans, who's streaming your music the most, who are your super fans, where are they, who are the other artists they're listening to, how can you reach them to sell them a t-shirt, to sell them a ticket, to send a direct message, to give them exclusive content, that's the future of music, and it's all based on the direct relationship between artists and fans. A lot of the music business doesn't know how the fuck to approach that.
4: Well, you know what it is? Not to, but people, artists think they're too cool to talk to fans. A lot of artists think they're too cool to talk to fans. That's the of a it's the prop. like, the I, I got a group chat right now, and I've had it for, like, two years with, like, eight or nine fans. And it's just, I send them Dropbox links of songs that I'm working on, because it's like, who gives a fuck? What, like, what, artists just get into this weird place where, like, I'm the artist now, and nah, you can't just have access to me like that. Like, y'all don't deserve to have access to me like that. I don't even read y'all's messages. Like, what? What the fuck are you talking about?
3: You know what, <laughs> like, so, so it what's fu- funny, one of the lessons I, t- I, I, like, any new artist that I, that I started working with, over the years, it was a lesson. I used, to, I, I used to work for Will Smith when I was a kid. And one of the things Will said is, and he's still the same guy to this very fucking day, same exact guy. He said, fans don't know when you're having a bad day. So you, only, they'll, they'll, you, you will not remember when you meet somebody, but they will always remember when they met you. And that's how you create lifelong
4: fans. Yes. That's a, when you keep that in mind, that's how you create lifelong fans because you realize two seconds out of your day will make this person a lifelong Forever. fan. Forever. It doesn't take you anything. Like me sending, I know when I'm scrolling through my DMs and it's, yo, you may, I know you may not see this. Yo, I'm an up-and-coming artist. Yo, your music changed my life. Yo, saved me from suicide, whatever it is. I know if I take two seconds to be like, yo, I appreciate that a lot, game over. I win. You know what I'm saying? And I've been doing that consistently every day for 10 years. So when people are like, I don't know who's listening to Russ. I don't know who his. You don't know because you don't know what goes into this. You don't know it's not my manager running my social media. It's me on there talking with my fans directly. I do FaceTime, group FaceTimes with eight of my fans playing new shit. Y'all don't, like, people don't see that behind-the-scenes shit, but it's, like, that's why I have the allegiance that I do, because it's not this disconnected, I'm on this, like, exalted pedestal to my fans. I'm right there down with them. You feel me? As much as I can be, and I think artists need to drop the ego and drop the act. You're not that cool, dog. You're really not. (laughs) For real.
2: Boom. He said it best. So, so... If you could impart one message, one lesson, to everybody here today, what would it be? Troy, you, you start first.
3: <laughs> I would say, chop, chop, chop wood, carry water. And that's wow. just getting, to, you got to do the work. and you ne- And that work never stops. Chop wood, carry
4: water. That's real. What about you? I don't even know how to follow that. <laughs> I don't have a proverb. <laughs> nah, I would say um, I would say trust your intuition and understand. I think I think you guys were both touching on it, but labels follow numbers. Artists need to follow intuition, and artists can't get mad at labels for not having intuition. They they're not creatives. They don't do this. They're running a business and all they care about is bottom line numbers, but you always have to trust your intuition as an artist. And yeah, trust your intuition, be authentic, and never be too cool to interact with your fans.
2: Sorry. Eli, you have any wise words?
1: Take risks.
2: Um, yeah,
1: right. you know, I feel that way about my career in this business. Like five months ago, I left the major label system that had been really good to me. It had had given me a lot of opportunities. I found mentors there, lifelong friends. Um, But coming to SoundCloud to join the team there, pair up with Lauren, and try to innovate what's next in music and disrupt this business in the interest of independent artists, that was a a risk. Like, you take less money, you're making, making a longer bet, and you got to believe in it. You got to believe in yourself, and that becomes the fuel in the and the engine, because the rest of it is kind of cosmetic. If you actually believe in yourself and believe what you're trying to trying to do, take that risk. I wish I had done it sooner.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I have I have two. I would say number one, relationships matter. They will matter from the day you start your career, your job, your journey, until the very end. That goes for the fam, but that goes for every single person you come in contact with. Make sure you take care of those relationships and learn from them and grow for them. And number two, always surround yourself by, with people that are smarter than you are. You should always be learning. There should always be something you're taking away from somebody else who's in your circle or somebody else that you look up to. Because things are always moving and changing. There's always new technology, new ways to connect, new ways to put out music, new ways to take 15% from pushing a button. You gotta know what those things are. And you need people around you to help you learn those things.
4: I wanna add uh, gratitude into that as well. And not being, specifically, not being jaded to your own ecosystem and looking over at someone else's too often. I think a lot of times, even I'm guilty of this, like sometimes you're so ambitious that you're ungrateful. You know, you're so trying to like focus on what you don't have and oh, I, let me go get fans over there and let me go. And you start ignoring your own ecosystem and taking your own ecosystem for granted when this is really what you need to be making sure is nourished, you know, and, and, and showered with love and gratitude. So. Don't, uh, don't get too caught up in the comparison game, and don't be so ambitious that you lose gratitude, you know? Yes. It's a balance, you feel me? And it's tough. It's every day, but the balance between ambition and gratitude is super important.
2: Absolutely.
0: The fan economy. <laughs> if you enjoyed the conversation, can I get a year? All right, we gonna kick off Q&A something like this. What is the mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? Anybody can take the question. Let's go, Russ.
4: The mistake I learned? Yep,
0: a mistake uh, you've mis- made and what did yeah. you learn from
4: it? Um, mistake, I haven't made any of those, no. Um, <laughs> Red flag. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, A mistake is what I just touched on. That's how I kind of learned from it, was being too ambitious and not to the point that the gratitude was suffering. Years went by. Years went by where it's so strange. I, I look at the last five years, and it almost feels like it didn't happen, and it's because mentally it didn't. I was never in the present. I was always over here. And so when I look back, it's like it never happened because I didn't take the time to sit there and be present like, oh fuck, this is happening. I was always on some, all right, but what's next? What's next? What's next? And I robbed myself of the present. And so that's how I even learned, oh, hold on. I'm unhappy because I'm ungrateful. And I'm ungrateful because I'm always looking at what's next instead of taking a second to, to appreciate right now.
0: Oh, that's deep. All right. You've all been tuned in to what's coming next. What's next?
3: (laughs) Anybody? I think, you know, um, blockchain and and Web3 is real. And, um, you know, I, I don't think, I think, to be honest with you, I think the NFT format is probably the most progressive format for music since the invention of the music video, just because everything that you can do within within that space, and the fact that you you know you got this sort of um, you you can track every transaction across the board as well, and and it's a way for artists to get paid every single time something gets you know there's a transaction. So I think really paying attention to what's happening in the creative space of, of blockchain is, is, is important right now because it's going to come quick.
1: Who here has uh, heard the word metaverse? <laughs> All right, some. so this is what the metaverse is. Let's say you're walking down the hallway here, and as you're walking down you yeah, you see, like, the graffiti, the cartoons, the video game in the other room, uh, and out of the wall, virtually, Sofago comes out and performs 30 seconds of a song, and then you walk into the other room, and the video game stall pops out, and all of a sudden, you're in the video game, virtually. Uh, That is gonna be the way we live, and it's really, really soon, where we live in this half this, like we're all here, the shit's on the wall, the music's playing, the lights are on, and it's half shit that only you're seeing because you're wearing a, gla- you know, a pair of glasses that Apple sold you or you know, Facebook has like, downloaded into your fucking brain or whatever. And that's what the metaverse is. And we are all going to be living in that. And in the same way that music tends to be the pioneer for so much innovation, uh, artists, creators are going to be at the forefront of defining what that looks like and are gonna have a lot of opportunity to engage with fans in that world. Uh, so get ready for that shit. It's gonna be
4: wild. That's next level. Jesus Christ, that's some crazy shit. It's, happening. it's like we all took mushrooms. Yeah, but it's like, it's like a lifelong acid trip. It's like, fuck.
0: All right, we'll go with Lauren next. When you meet an artist, what's the first thing you want to know about them?
2: For me, I really want to know the artist's story because I want to hear how they describe themselves, how they describe themselves as an artist and a person and a business. And sometimes just having a conversation helps me better understand how the artist views themselves and their music. Of course, I'm curious to hear what, what their art sounds like, how they envision their future, but it's really about how they see themselves because what I always want to know is how do they bet on themselves? How confident are they? that they're gonna continue on this journey. Being an artist is not for the weak. It takes a lot of work. It could take many, many years. It could take 11 mixtapes and then some, and you have to be in it for the long haul. So that's what I wanna hear from an artist. How hard are you gonna go to see this dream come, become a reality?
3: And, and I've met some of the most talented artists that you could ever meet that were just lazy and and they couldn't so it's like is a reason why they couldn't go the distance. And then you meet some artists who are really good, but they work so hard that they become great. And that's the yep. difference. Is like so so if you have that thing in you where you're really willing to put the time in just to get better and better and better. That's, that, that becomes the X factor, you know, because I've seen the talent so that just can't
4: get across the finish line. It's so real. That's always how I felt about myself too. Like I, I, I know for a fact, I, I'm not the most, and I was never the most naturally gifted at rapping, producing, playing the guitar, playing the, none of that. But like, I am so competitive and I'm so confident in my potential, my abilities that I feel like I busted my ass so much to get to a place where I am now. And I look at... You know what's you know what's so interesting about just genetic makeup or whatever it is? A lot of the most talented people are lazy, and I think it's because they are jaded to their own blessing of talent. They don't realize that that shit is not regular. Like, there's people who would kill to have that natural ability. I've met so many just, like... Crazy singers that can sing the fucking phone book and it sounds insane. And they're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do music and I'm just like, dog, what? Like, if I was you, I wouldn't even talk to people. I would sing to everyone. <laughs> you know what? like it's nuts. But I, I do think that it's that tricky balance of being too jaded and being ungrateful to your own talents and own blessing and sleeping on yourself, you know. It's sad. A lot of the people who don't have that natural talent, they bust their ass so much more because they know they don't have it. And they're trying to compete and catch up, you know. Hard work beats talent though when talent doesn't work hard. So.
0: With that being said, what do you feel takes the artist to the next level today? Image or sound? And everybody can answer that question.
4: Oh man.
2: <laughs> What's the <It's>, balance? <laughs>
4: I'm going to ramble if I answer that one. I
2: don't think it's one size fits all. I don't think there's actually an answer to that question, in my opinion. Yeah, look. Ev- I think there is, in my opinion. There my is, opinion. is an answer?
4: Well, no, for me, there oh. is. Definitely-
2: <laughs> I think that, look, to be successful, you have to make good music. You have to make good music. But the question is, is can good music still thrive without having you know, the right images connected to it? Sometimes.
4: Sometimes. There's a lot of shit music out here that's successful though. That's
2: right. Facts.
4: And it's because they stand next to the right people and they look cool. Like let's just call a spade a spade. We're living in the most ridiculous <laughs> We're living in the most ridiculous time where music is no longer just made for the ears. Now it's about the eyes too. And you don't have to sound that great, but if you got a cool look. If people think you can dress, and if you date the right person, you're out of here.
3: And it's the, true. The, the, I, I feel like um, the the universe awards originality, yeah. and when you look at, um, I think it's a com- is a is a combination of the two. Mm. So you like great music will will stand the test of time, and then the way we've always looked at it was for real superstars, somebody can dress up as you for Halloween and the people know who they are. You know, that's, that's, that's iconography. And so when you think about the greats, the greats study the greats, number one, and then the greats study iconography and they know, they know those little, little details. And I feel like we're, we're in an age where um, people are scared to stand out and, and, and stretch and look strange or different. And, and me personally, I like stars that look like they landed from another planet. Like when they walk in the room, they suck all the air out of the room. Like, who the fuck is that? you know no, like you, that you like manage. that's what that's that's what that's what you want and it's like and um and i and i and i feel like if you can marry that with great music at the end of the day that's when you get icons troy
4: what do you, what do you think about this though right cuz i agree with that but then i also think we're in a time where authenticity is so huge and Everything is so transparent now, right? With social media, we can kind of we're waking up with our favorite artists, we're seeing what they eat for breakfast. But, but but it's almost like we don't. I feel like people don't want the colorful hair and the they, they almost it, it want you stripped down. It's gotta it has to be authentic.
3: But yeah. if you if if anybody knows Prince, you never saw Prince in a pair of Reeboks. Because even, even well, if... Well, that he, was that time. No, was not not even, no, but even if it was Instagram back then is my point. Oh, well, And, for and sure. something followed him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That was him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Oh, you're saying regardless,
4: week. that was him. He lived it. Yeah, You know yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? Well, oh, so if that's you for real, then be you for real. I but think you I, can I'm create you. On, I'm touching... For sure. I'm touching on the, like, if you're playing a role for the sake of playing a role... I feel like now people can see through that, and people want raw shit. It's the reason why photo shoot pictures don't do as well as iPhone pictures But real on Instagram. I, real, you know what I'm saying? Because real, that shit real, is.
3: Real icons create that role. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They become that person. Yeah. That's, that's, that's real. You know what I'm saying? They, yeah. be, they, they become that person. They evolve into, in, in, into into that person. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a- true. Too.
2: Authenticity matters yeah. more than anything. Yeah, I think
4: as long as you're yourself, you can't fake it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. As long and as you you're yourself, and I think people can tell when you're dressing up and when it's not really you, you know. And that's and, and from an artist standpoint, you're gonna torment yourself because every day you walk out of the house, you got to put on the costume. If if you have to put it on, it's not real. If that's just you then it's real. But don't think that you need to put on a, a, a costume. But I do like what you're saying with creating yourself, because I agree with that. I don't, I don't think it's just as simple as, well, I am who I am since I was 17, and this is what it is. It's like, nah, you're allowed room to grow and create yourself and find your fashion and find your whole look and everything. But I just think because of social media, unless you're off of social media and you don't post, it's, it's really... There's too much access. There's too many iPhone videos of you at the show. Where I'm like, what was that? No, nah, I could tell this is not real. You know what I mean? Like You can see through shit nowadays. And that's why I feel like people even look at the sound uh, of rap that for the past seven years, it's this raw, gritty, just authentic shit. You feel me? It's not doctored up and not dressed up. Granted, is a lot of it sticking? No. So maybe that's, maybe that plays into that as well. You know, but I do kind of, I think that that reflects the consumer's uh, response to the big doctored up icons. It's sort of like this, all right, cool, we had that. Now we just want some raw shit. And I feel like people just want some raw shit right now. But if, if you naturally is, I got spikes in my head and I'm great, rock out. If that's you. But just don't, like, fake it. You feel me? Because we can see through it.
0: All right, so we're going to take it to the floor. Let's Anybody have any questions for our panelists? Come to the mic. Oh will.
3: How y'all doing? My name is Seti P. I'm an artist manager uh, from Jersey. Jersey in the building?
4: Billy, hey, what's up? I was born in Secaucus,
3: New Jersey. Oh, all right, so Jersey in the building then. But yeah, uh, artist manager for Renaissance Music Records. I actually had a question you guys were mentioning, NFTs and the metaverse. Uh I know the article came out about Facebook getting ready to change their name. But I noticed that a lot of the artists uh, that I deal with, they rush and jump to try to whatever the hottest trend is without necessarily kind of doing the research on it, but it's a hot thing. So I wanted to ask, how do you guys... Recommend balance between staying your course versus kind of being in tune with what's going on and happening in the music industry. Um, I think you, I think you have to do both. You know, I think um, of course you have to um, appeal to whatever platforms that exist today because you got to make a career today. But also, you know, as a manager, I think part of the role is, um, you know, living around the corner to kind of see, you know, what, what, what's coming and doing as much research as possible and living in Discord groups and reading articles. Um, you know, right now, I would be looking at everything that um, Epic Games is doing right now. And um, and you know, as places like the central, the central, Land, and all of these other places, that I think um, these concepts are going to pop up. But um, your job is almost like uh, manager slash research and development. You know, you know what I'm saying? So when it comes, it's like you're you're already there.
1: And and I wouldn't compromise originality or authenticity just to cater to that specific thing. Per the whole conversation we heard from Troy and Russ earlier, because I mean that you can see that that cuts through the noise. And if you start to compromise that and fake it, you'll be found out.
4: I think it's also like my dad always told me: measure twice, cut once. You feel Mine's me? too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like don't just like hurry up and run over at some shit just because it's trendy. Like, do the research, figure out like make the right move, the first move. You feel me? Appreciate it. Yeah.
5: Hello, everybody. Hello. So we are verbosity. We're from Philadelphia. We didn't really have not Really? A, yeah. We didn't really have a, well, our question was if we could do like a 30 second thing. it 30 I seconds. I can't hear you. 30 seconds. 30
3: yeah?
4: Oh, no. He asked what South part of Philly. Philly are you from? South
5: Philly. I'm oh. sorry. I just heard Philly. Oh, I
4: couldn't hear you. That's okay. Awesome. I'm from
5: South Philly. Oh, no. Southwest. And I'm from South Philly as well. And we also have something for y'all just so y'all can remember our face when y'all go home, even though, you know, we standing right in front of you. We gonna cool. Cool. We actually didn't have a question, but we want to do something for y'all for 30 seconds.
4: Oh, I know okay. that it'll
5: probably take us longer, but we down for the ride. Cause we not out here selling sex. We got respect, and we ain't trying to compromise. That's a dub. So as sex don't even ask. Nope. And yes, yeah, sex sells, but that stuff don't ever last. Oh, huh. related, Cause it's too many Barbianas. Don't want the grease. Rather be up, designer. up in designer, double Ds, fit T's, ghetto booties, hey, and, and they, they don't, don't get it from like their mama, mama. So don't get mad when I ain't shaking what, my girl. No. My bad. Her Ryan cussing up a storm either. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking straight to my father He said these girls need to get beastly with your clothes on call it jungle fever turn them into believers Just like you was Justin Bieber man. Can I do it? You could do it. We could do it sis cuz whatever phase these girls going through we must hey, have missed miss. Ladies we represent each other has got me pissed cuz they be so ready to bust down We gotta stop tolerating them putting us down, but listen ladies they got us now Hey, so fix your crown Tatiana. Hey, don't let us down Tatiana we finished with the sound Tatiana show you how to lay yourself without a clam. Thank you guys
4: so much. Okay, yes. That was Man. hard. That was hard. That, that was hard. hard. <laughs> that was hard. I like that.
0: We have time for one more. I'm sorry for the long line. I love y'all, but we only have hey, time. Hey
4: yo, for that one was one hard. One. Just don't let y'all egos fuck anything up as it gets bigger. Good advice. For real, that's that's always what happens. So <laughs> I don't know, I'm going to follow that up.
1: But uh i doing <laughs> right now? I'm kidding. So uh, my name is Alex. I'm the founder of Inflow Music. We're creating a platform where artists can launch their own cryptocurrency, so fans can invest in them, and then also NFTs as well. Um, my question is to both of y'all: What do you want to see out of a platform um, that breaks the barrier between your fans and your audi- or you and your audience? What, what, what can I provide as a platform to kind of help you monetize or just engage your audience, empower your audience uh, better than any other social platform right now?
4: How do I, what, how do I, what changes do I want to see to your platform or what? Yeah, what, what, what do well, you I want to, to know, see your out of a platform or any platform? Oh, and what do you. I want out of a platform? Yeah. I really, I really like what TikTok is doing, to be honest, where I think it's set up in a way for up and coming artists to easily be able to blow up. You can have 2000 followers on TikTok and put up something that gets 10 million views. You can't do that on Instagram. The algorithms now with Instagram are so fucking ridiculous. Even with Twitter, like, Twitter and Instagram are so stale to me, you know? And I like what TikTok is doing where, you know, I can post something on there and it gets a million likes. I would have to be naked in a threesome with celebrities on Instagram (laughs) to get a million likes. You feel me? And I would get banned. (laughs) So it's like, um, I think whatever platform, if you are for the artist, you need to make it easy for up-and-coming artists to be discovered. That's what I would say. Discoverability, perfect.
3: And then, being able to build a platform where artists can really capture the financial value. Like, so it's like, you know, I think in a lot of these platforms, it's like for promotional value more than anything. And like uh, financial value is something that's sort of captured further down the line how can you design a platform where they can really do well within the platform financially? Because a lot of times, what we're seeing is like TikTok and and Instagram and and all of these platforms, um, uh, multi-billion dollar companies are built on the fact that artists have very engaged audiences, and a lot of people come there for these musical experiences but yet the artists aren't capturing the financial value out of that, so I would have that front of mind.
1: I think how we're doing that is letting fans capture the financial value as well too, so it's double incentivized, uh, but I appreciate y'all's answers. We are launched uh, on Ethereum mainnet. If you guys want a demo, I would love to give you guys a demo, we're
4: raising our seed round as well too, but appreciate y'all's time. Yes sir. Congratulations. Yeah.